Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Well, this morning we just want to continue down that, that um, vein uh, that we started last week about being blessed. And Kim's already spoken about next Sunday night. And we've asked the invited other pastors to come in the city as well to join us. Join with us together as we hear uh, about the persecuted church. So really looking forward to that and um, sure that we're going to get uh, some other church members to come along and be a part of that. Really want to see this, this uh, uh, thought about open doors and supporting the persecuted church released right across the life of our city. Amen? Amen? So I really want to encourage us with that. So, you know, this morning we're continuing on and, and uh, about the blessed life. How can we be blessed? And, you know, I was talking with a guy yesterday who came to look at a push bike, sold a bike, which is great. Uh, he came and he was from WA and over here working in the steelworks, actually. And um, we started talking and he just started talking about what a beautiful area we live in. And I said, without exception, we are so blessed to live uh, where we live. You and I this morning, even this whole thought about, about being able to come to church freely, to be able to worship God freely, to be able to lift up our hands in faith freely, to be able to share communion freely, to be able to preach the Word of God freely today is such an amazing blessing, but many people take it for granted. But I agree with him. We live in such a blessed place. And, you know, if you compare, compare your life to someone living in a third world country, uh, uh, I think it's about a third of the world's, po- excuse me, two thirds of the world's population, or I think it's even more, live at or below the poverty line. If you compare your life to theirs, you would say without exception, we are so blessed. But last Sunday, we started to open up this thought, uh, the question about uh, would we like to be even more blessed? And when we talked about being more blessed, we made a disclaimer that we're not talking about getting more stuff. That's the prosperity, the doctrine or or gospel, and that's junk. Amen? But we talked about experiencing more of God's presence in every area of our lives, more of God's presence in our families, more of God's presence in our homes, more of God's presence in our, in our, um, uh, our, our relationships. Amen? And the question we looked at uh, and, and we thought of was, without exception, yes, I would love to experience more of God's blessing uh, in my life. Absolutely, I would love to experience more of His blessing and His, His, His presence in every part of my life. Well, if we wanted to be more blessed, we looked last week at a, uh, a verse of Scripture because Jesus talks to us directly about how we can be more blessed. And it comes out of the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. And it's speaking to us. These are the words of Jesus. And He says to us, He's saying to us this morning, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So last week we looked at the key to living a blessed life and we found the key to living a blessed life, more of the blessing of God, the presence of God in our lives, is by or through developing a generous heart. Amen? God wants us to have a generous heart, to be developing a heart of generosity. I hope during the week you got the opportunity to bless someone. Amen? Well, if not, this week's coming up. Hallelujah! And I love coffee right about lunchtime. Just joking. Just kidding. Amen? Just kidding. But I hope you got an opportunity because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And last week we looked at two two mindsets. Uh, The first one, the bag mindset. This really stops us from being generous because the bag mindset says this, 
that the only stuff and everything that I've got is in the bag. I've got nothing more and everything that I have is in the bag. Therefore, I can't be generous because that's all I've got. That's a real mindset that will hold us back from being generous because we continually rely on the bag and say, whatever's in there is all that I have. That was the first mindset. Then the second mindset was the basket mindset. This, this mindset is, is like God is generous and I've got what's in the basket and because God's a generous God and, and I know him to be generous, I'm able to share with what God has got and has given me and has trusted to me. Two mindsets, one the bag mindset and the other the basket mindset. God wants us to be generous with what's in the bag and with what's in the basket. God, okay, all right. God wants us to be generous with what's in the bag and what's in the basket, amen. He wants us to have and develop a generous heart. So this morning we want to move on, and the title of my message today is this, The Blessed Test, amen. Everyone say it with me, The Blessed Test. The end of uh, the message this morning and the course of this week, you'll be able to go away and uh, we're going to give you a little test that you'll be able to go and try. How's that sound? Awesome. So a little test. The Blessed Test, amen. So the thought is this, you would think that the more blessed we are, the more that we would give, the more generous we would be. Wouldn't you think that? Hands up. The more blessed we are, the more that we get, the more generous that we would be. What's interesting though is this, studies have shown that as income increases, the percentage of what people give decreases. Shocking, isn't it? Hello, I'll move on. You would think that the more blessed you are, the more generous you would be. But studies clearly show that the more people get, the less generous they tend to be. Hallelujah. In fact, in the United States, which is probably a reflection of Australia, the average person and the average income, they give about 3.1% of what they earn annually away to charities. That's what the average person gives, about 3.1% annually. Isn't that sad? Anyway, moving on. That's another thought. But those who make much less than the average wage, those whose annual income is under $10,000 a year, well below the poverty line, they don't give 3.1. Guess what they give? They give 5.2%. Isn't that interesting? Very, very interesting. 5.2%. And you're ready for this this morning. This will shock you. Those who are extraordinarily blessed who earn over 200000 a year, guess what their giving is? Is it 3.1%? Or 5.2%? No, it's actually 0.7%. Less than 1% of their income. I find that just absolutely astounding. But what it, what it proves is this. It proves that the more money you have, the less you will potentially give, and the more you will put your, your trust in your money. You'll become less generous potentially and you'll put your trust in money. And the question I want to touch on this morning before we delve into um, what we'd like to really share this morning is this, why do we put so much trust in our money? Why? Well, money promises only what God can provide. Let me show you four things that money promises, what only God provides. Money promises security. If you have more, you will be secure. That's what we think money provides. The second thing is money promises freedom. If you have more, you will be free. The third thing that money promises, money promises power. If you have enough, you will be powerful. And the fourth thing that money promises, money promises significance. If you have enough, you will be important. They're all the things that money promises, but the truth is 
Money promises only what God can truly provide for us. Amen. The truth is money is a counterfeit God. If we're not careful, it will seduce us into loving it more than God. In fact, listen to what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. And then help me out if you could. Jesus goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and money. Money's always competing for our hearts. It is. Money's always competing for our hearts. Money's wanting us to love it more than we love God. But who's found money can't love you back? And yet so many people get caught up on this thing of having more, wanting more, desiring more, loving money more than God. And Jesus says you can't have two masters. You either love God or you love money. Wow. Isn't that a confronting text of Scripture this morning? Oh, I think I just spat confronting text of scripture either God's number one in my life or money will be wow there's no in between either God will be first in our lives or money will be because he Jesus says and he understands that money is a counterfeit God so the question this morning I want to ask is this how can we have money without money having us thank you how can we have money without money having us? Who likes money? I love money. I was able to buy these flashy shoes with money. Get a pair, Tim. They're awesome. I tell you. Who enjoys money? Going out and buying a T-shirt for your daughter or something. Money's, money's, money's great. We love money. Money's good. But we've got to learn not to allow money to have us but for us to have money. You get it? That's where Jesus said you can't have two masters. You can't, you, 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 you'll either love money or you'll love God. So this morning, we, we want to look at that, that thought, that question there. So how can we have money without money having us? And it's found in a scripture from the Old Testament. And I love this this morning. This might upset some people, and I'm just so happy about that. Amen. But it's, uh, let this uh, scripture speak to us this morning. Um, how, how can we have money without money having us? Well, in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this. And it says, And all of the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Amen. So, we're going to be looking at tithing this morning. <laughs> and all those people that tithe went, Yeah, we get it. Woo! So we want to look at the place of tithing this morning and this whole thought of tithing, a tithe in this verse of Scripture there and the tithe of the land where the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. The tithe is holy. And the tithe, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, for, for uh, the, the word is ma'asa. It means a tenth. Amen? Everyone say a tenth. God was commanding them that the first tenth belonged to Him. Our first and our best belongs to God. Amen? Our first and our best belongs to God. And you're probably thinking right now, but shame, this is a part of the law. And you'll probably go on in our mind and say, well, aren't we free from the law? And I say this morning, yes, that's a great question. We are. But we have to understand that tithing um, wasn't, wasn't enacted as a part of the law. It wasn't. 
we see that tithing was enacted as a, as a part of worship, worship to God. In Genesis chapter 14, we see uh, that Abram, Abram encounters the king of Mil- Melchizedek, who was the high priest of God at that time. He was a type of Jesus. You could say that. Jesus is a great high priest today. But we see that um, Abram encounters uh, uh, king, uh, Melchizedek, king of Salem, as I said, and Abraham as a, as a, as a way of worshipping um, God and worshipping um, the king of Salem. We see here, it says in verse 20 of Genesis chapter 14, it says, And blessed be God the Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all that he had. You see, tithing's not a result of law. Tithing is a result of an act of worship to God. Come on. Tithing's not like you're just going to do it because of law. No. You see, Leviticus was written about 400 years after Genesis chapter 14. Can I say it again? The, 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 the commandment to tithe was 400 years later. You get it this morning? For, they say about 430 years later it became law. But 430 years preceding that, it started out as an act of worship. Hallelujah. And I want to encourage us this morning, you know, uh, 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 tithing's not about, you know, just having to do it. Tithing's about a way of expressing our worship towards God. Rachel and I don't tithe from a point of law, but from a point of worship. Amen? Some people will say, well, you don't see tithing in the New Testament. Well, I want to bring your attention to Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Everyone happy this morning? Mm. That's good bottled plastic water. Well, Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. <laughs> That's encouraging. For you pay tithe of men and anise and cumin, Jesus speaking. Have you neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith? These you have ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Jesus affirms the importance of the tithe here in this verse of Scripture in Matthew chapter 23, 23. In fact, if you go to the book of Hebrews, there's quite a bit of discussion there about the place and the importance of tithing as well. But I want you to open your Bibles this morning because we want to look at the way that God views tithing this morning to Malachi chapter 3. We want to look at a couple of verses of Scripture. Then I want to give you three things, three blessings that come out of the tithe. You ready this morning? So, Malachi, look at those Bibles. It's awesome. Hey, you still got your digital one. That's awesome. If you love it, you use it, eh? Amen? Malachi chapter 3, what, is, what does God think about tithing? And before I, before I, before I touch on that, I, wa- I want you to get a picture this morning firstly. Tithing begins as an act of worship in what book? Saw that yawn? Book of Genesis, yeah? Right? So it starts where? In the beginning? Then we get to the book of Malachi. The the book of Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. So in Genesis, the tithe is, 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 is introduced. And then at the end of the Old Testament, before there's 400 years, known as the Dark Ages, where the Lord did not speak... The thing that the Lord really chides them about is the fact that they're not tithing any longer, not tithing accordingly. 
In fact, we see in a couple of preceding scriptures in um, chapters 1, 2, and 3, God really gets annoyed at these people because in the beginning they bring their tithe. And for them, if we were to bring the tithe this morning, it would be probably a sheep or it would be a dove or it would be some grain or, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm glad about that. Could, could you imagine the stuff on the carpet? It would be terrible. But they would bring their tithe in. God had blessed them. And normally, if you were going to bless the Lord with your tithe, it's your first and it's your best. Amen? Every week, that's what we do. We bring our first and we bring our best. We don't look at what bills we've got. We don't look at all that stuff. We go, God, we want to honor you with our tithe. We bring our first and our best. And in Malachi, the Lord, the last thing that he starts to speak is how disappointed he is. No longer are these people bringing their first and their best, but now they're bringing old lambs that have got like three legs. Goats with one eye. They're bringing all the dodgy stuff. Seriously. And the Lord gets that mad. He says, would you bring that to your governor? Would you bring that to your king? How dare you bring that to me? Wow. Isn't that interesting? That in verse 8, this is the Lord's view of tithing. In chapter 3, he says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, they say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. Wow. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. That blows my mind there to think the thought that the Lord thinks that when we do not tithe, when we don't honor him with our first and with our best, we are robbing him. That's why it's so important. We don't, we don't give our tithes on Sunday. When Rachel and I come to, to give our tithes, we don't come to give them. We bring them because it already belongs to the Lord. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to give a gift of, of my 10% of my income to the Lord. No, no, no. We bring it because it already belongs to the Lord. It's holy. It's set apart. Hallelujah. Amen. I like touching your knee. It's a strong knee, that. <laughs> just joking, mate. You get it this morning? So I want to look at three blessings that come as a result of the tithe, and then we want to, want to have a look at the, the blessed test this morning. Amen? So three little thoughts that come about the, the place of the tithe, the importance of it this morning. The first thing that I want to bring to you this morning is this. Number one, the first blessing of the tithe is this. The tithe provides for God's work through His church. The tithe provides for God's work through His church. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 I says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The Old Testament, the storehouse was like, the, it, it, you, could, you could say that the storehouse was similar or in, in, in a type like the church in the New Testament. Amen? So the Old Testament, the storehouse would have been where the, the priest minister and all that stuff goes. That was the, the, the place where they met and they, they did the things that the Lord was calling them to do. But in the New Testament, you'd say it's the church. Amen. So each week when we bring, bring our tithe, we bring, bring it back and we give it to the Lord. We bring it back into the church so that the work of the Lord can be done. Get it this morning? Get it, listen to this. The tithe provides for God's work through his church. What does the tithe do? It provides wages for those who work in ministry as priests. I'd love to get a collar. I would. I've got Anglican mates. They go to stuff. They've got their big collar on. I've got, I've got nothing. <laughs> love that. But what does the tithe do? Think about it practically. 
It provides for all the stuff that needs to happen in this place. The tithe of the tithe. We tithe on the tithe. The church here tithes on the tithe. As a result of that, we send 7% of the tithe um, to church planning across the nation. 3% goes towards missions, supporting um, other ministries as well that we're committed to. The tithe enables the work in Vanuatu. The tithe that also empowers the work of ministry, youth, children, food care, city serve, all the ministries that we need to run and we do run take money. It also provides teaching resources as well. If you haven't discovered right now media on our website, then I'd encourage you. Over 10,000 discipleship-based DVDs that are available for you as a member. Amen. It makes this place where we come accessible to us every week. We, we don't realize how blessed we are to worship in this place. Look at this church. It's awesome. We're blessed. <laughs> We're so blessed. Blessed to be able to worship in a place like this. But what does the tithe do? It helps us to pay for the stuff that we need to pay for. You know, the Lord didn't give us a money tree. Oh, give me a money tree. That would be heaps easier out the back there. Pete and I, Monday mornings, it's our first job. We go and pick money off the money tree so that we can bring it, pay all the bills. No, we get the great joy bringing our tithe. Because one of the first blessings of the tithe is it enables the work of God through the church. Hallelujah. That's the first blessing. And what an amazing blessing is. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is this. The tithe teaches me to put God first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The tithe teaches me to put God first. Today's Living Bible translates it this way in Deuteronomy 14.23. The purpose of the tithe is to put me first. No. The purpose of the tithe is to teach me to put God first. Here's the beauty of it. I can't think of a more tangible or practical way in our lives where we can actually put God first, where we make a conscious choice to put God first by honoring Him with our first and with our best. I choose to put God first. We choose to put God first. I may not be able to drink that expensive coffee in order to be able to put God first. I may not have cable TV in order to put God first. I may need to drive my car for five years instead of three years to put God first. I may not even uh, get the season tickets to my favorite sporting event but I choose to put God first. Tithing, the tithe, is about a choice to put the Lord first. And it proves that every week that we come together, when we do that, hallelujah. I'm telling you and I, we have the honor of rearranging and reprioritizing our lives around God. And the tithe, it provides for the work of God, but it also teaches me to keep God first. The third thing this morning, as we get ready to conclude this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. The tithe, it increases my faith in God. The tithe increases my faith in God. Here's what it does. It teaches me that 90% with the blessing of God goes further than 100% without it. Those of you who are tithers right now, I just see Dave nodding his head in the front row. <laughs> yeah, those of you who are tithers, you get it. You can do the maths and go, it just doesn't add up. But I'm here to tell you this morning, as you honor the Lord with your first and with your best, he blesses that 90%. Hallelujah. I thought we'd be more excited than that. He blesses that 90%. We honor him with the tenth. We bring it. It belongs to the Lord. We say, Lord, here it is. Builds our faith. 
Remember the first time that I tithed a man alive? It was a scary thing. It's going back far too many years now. But I remember the first time the thought of tithing was just absolutely scary. I mean, I think if I had had the cash in my hand back in those days, it was cash. That's how long ago it was. Who gets frustrated when they go to the local shop today? It's insert, it's slide, it's tap, it's wave. Anyway. <laughs> but I reckon if I had had that cash in my hand, my knuckles would have gone white. I was like, hang on to it. I was just like, I can't give this. This is crazy. Who else has been there? I Don't put your hand up, but all of us have been there. Hopefully at some point, we just go, God, we just can't give that 10. No. When we give our 10th, we give our first and we give our best, God then blesses the rest. Hallelujah. So tithing increases my faith. You might have done the math and gone, how does it work? Well, I'm here to say for my wife and I, we've been tithing um, 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 together, forever, together. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know why I keep coming back, seriously. But we, from day one, from, from, from even before we were married, we always practiced the principle of the tithe, and God has blessed us along the way. He continues to. I, I look back when we first started, going back far too many years ago, we, we got married, um, sorry, we, we, we got engaged. We got, yeah, we got engaged. Then we got married. And then we became, we went on a honeymoon for two weeks. Then we became full-time, we became pastors, senior pastors of the local church. And the first year, Rach went to a thing called Ministry Training Institute. And uh, that was just a wild ride. And when we began the ministry together, we were on the grand figure of $25,000 for the year. <laughs> and then I think about 10 years after that we got another raise it went up all the way up to $40,000 a year we went wow it's amazing I'm only saying that to say how good God is yeah. hallelujah he blesses us and has blessed us continues to bless us for us it's never about oh have we got the money no it's, it's always about without exception we'll go away on, on holidays we'll count up the weeks that we're away we're like we're just in there you know we, uh, we make profit on something then you know whatever the increase is we give to the Lord amen you ask us do we, do we tithe on the gross or the net come on hallelujah not even a discussion the first tenth my first and my best belongs to him hallelujah glory to God I think I've said too much have I all right, we'll continue to be blessed. Amen. Be blessed. It requires faith to give the first. If you give your last, it doesn't require faith. We give our first. And this is a blessed test this morning that I want to finish with. Amen. This is a blessed test. I believe that God uses money as a test. Yeah. There's so much teaching from Jesus in the New Testament about stewardship and the way that we manage money. God uses it a test. In this one area, God lets us test him back. This is the only place in Scripture where we are allowed to test him. So this is the blessed test for people that may not tithe, may not understand it fully. This is the blessed test for you. For those that are already tithing, it's a given. We just do it anyway. 
But here's what the book of Malachi says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10b. says, Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out for you so much a blessing that you will not have room enough to contain it. God says, put me to the test in this particular arena. Put me to the test in this area. Nowhere else in Scripture does the Lord say, put me to the test. Here's the thing this morning. In the Bible, numbers represent different things. Seven is God's number, number of perfection. Six is the one less than perfection. Satan's number is 666. Different numbers mean different things in the Bible. Ten is often a picture of the number of testing. Think about this. When God tested us for obedience, how many commandments did he give us? Oh, that's just so cold. How many did he give us? Oh, I'm not sure, Shane. I didn't go to... No, you know, ten. Yeah. When God tested Pharaoh's heart in the Old Testament, how many plagues did he send to test Pharaoh's heart? interesting in the new testament how many virgins were tested to see if they were prepared to return to the bridegroom there were 10 how many lepers were healed to test to test to see who would come back and give gratitude to jesus there were 10 how many disciples did jesus have i was just checking it's <laughs> just checking you you know we're on the same page together now i know you're listening that's good Ten is the number of testing. And God wants to know, will you love and trust money or will you love and trust God? Wow. Because wow. ten is the number of testing. We return the tithe to God and trust Him. And here's the deal this morning. You can test Him. He says, try me. Come on. See if I'm good for what I say. If you bring the tithe into the storehouse, I will open up the windows of heaven and there will be such a blessing you won't have room enough to contain it. That's His test. And I encourage every one of us this morning, if I could have the band to come back up, that would be great. I encourage every one of us this morning that might be here and you haven't understood tithing or maybe you've never heard it preached before. Uh, we, are, we are a church that's committed to tithing. We don't do it out of law. We do it out of love. Hallelujah. We do it out of an understanding that we are blessed as we bring our first and our best to God. But you might be here this morning and you don't tithe. Can I encourage you this morning? Do what the scripture does. Put him to the test. In fact, I'll give you a three-month test, amen. Test God for three months with your tithe and look back and see what the Lord has done. Because that's the only place in Scripture on any topic that the Lord says, test me. Isn't that powerful, David? is that a profound thought? Out of everything else that is in this Word of God, the Lord says in this one area, Test me, try me, prove me in this area and see what I will do. Hallelujah. So that's the blessed 
test. Amen? To be blessed, to experience more of his presence in and around our lives. Put him to the test. Try him. Amen? And see what he will do. Father, we just thank you this morning. Hallelujah. Ten. The number of testing. The tithe. God, we can see this morning how it all just ties so powerfully together. Lord, I just pray for people this morning that may struggle with the concept of tithing. I just pray, Lord, that like your word says, that they would put you to the test. Lord, it is a step of faith. But we just know that as we do that, Lord, you open up the windows of blessing in so many ways, Lord. So many ways. So, Father, I thank you this morning. Help us all, Lord, to continue to honor you by bringing our tithe to you. Every week we come into this place faithfully because we want to experience more of your presence. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Hallelujah.